everyone. This is Jan Kabili, and this is TWIP The Fix. In this episode, I sit down with my friend Howard Pinsky. Howard is a real honest-to-goodness YouTube star, and he became famous by teaching Photoshop on YouTube. Howard is going to tell us how he did that, and then he's going to show us one of his most popular tutorials, how to move an object in a photo in Photoshop. Howard Pinsky, hi. Hey, Jan. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is going to be fun. It will be. I haven't seen you in forever, probably since I moved to California. Well, you moved back, didn't you? I am. I'm back in Colorado. Well, I'm in Colorado, too, and in fact, we're not that very far apart. We should have just done this in the same room. Oh, that was dumb. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then I'd have to get two mics all set up, and, you know, I finally have my studio all set the way I want it, as you can see, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so tell me, you if people don't know who you are, and I'm sure everyone does, you are an honest-to-goodness YouTube star. You are. <laughs> to an extent. In the Photoshop world, um, I do have around 350,000 subscribers on YouTube. And until recently, I was the number one most viewed and subscribed on YouTube for Photoshop. Actually, Aaron Nace and Flern, who are absolutely fantastic, they've surpassed my subscribers. They're at almost 600,000 now. Um, but I'm still most viewed, about 80 million video views now. Oh, my God. And how many subscribers did you say you have on YouTube? Uh, right now, right around 350,000. That's a lot of people. Yeah, unfortunately, not all of them watch anymore because most of them were acquired back in 2007, 2008, when YouTube was kind of taking off and nobody was teaching Photoshop on YouTube. So I had a little bit of an advantage, but now it's kind of on the downhill. But hopefully I'll be able to take that back up soon. Oh, I'm sure you will, because, you know, it's not it's not just that you got there early, which you did. I think it's also because you have such a great voice. You have such a fun way of putting things, and you make everything seem easy. I think people appreciate that. Yeah, I've come a long way. If you go back on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Studios, and you check out my older stuff, maybe don't do that. It's not very good at all. Back Back in the day, I was popular because I was the only one on YouTube teaching Photoshop, but I've definitely perfected my skill, I think, at teaching and making things easy. Like now I'm teaching one-minute Photoshop tutorials. Even I'm very surprised I'm actually being able to do that. I'm teaching things in one minute on YouTube, which is crazy. That is. Well, so what's your philosophy? Is it that people really don't have time to listen beyond one minute or the attention lags or what? Oh, for yeah, because I work my full-time job. I work for a YouTube network and I can definitely tell you that the attention spans of people are at most like three minutes these days. And especially when you're teaching something, they don't want to sit through anything. So my goal is to serve very small tidbits of information. And if they if they're interested in that and they want to learn more, then they can go check out a much longer version of that video. But attention spans, even looking at my YouTube analytics, at most is maybe like five minutes. And I'm a very fast talker. <laughs> yes, you are. Well, that's interesting. Now, before we go any further, so wh what is your YouTube channel? Are you, is it Iceflow Studios? Is it Howard Pinsky? What is it? It is. The URL is youtube.com slash iceflowstudios, which I started back in 2006, I believe, when I didn't really want to use my full name. But, but now I think the actual name is just Photoshop Tutorials by Howard Pinsky or just Howard Pinsky or something like that. I'm trying to use Howard Pinsky more because it's more professional in the 
whole Photoshop world. If you say Ice Flow Studios, it's like eh, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> well, I want people to be able. To, I want people to be able to see this because it really is amazing. How many videos do you have up there now? Right now, I'm closing in on around 500 free Photoshop tutorials. Do you hear that, people? 500 free Photoshop tutorials. You're going to put me out of business, Harrod. Oh, <laughs> trust me, I'm not. I thought for a while, I thought certain people in the industry hated me because I offered free videos. But people like Scott Kelby and people like you who work for Linda, I, I really don't make, even make a dent in that stuff because... Kelby One and Linda, which I love both of them, by the way, um, they offer so much training and just my few little videos, nothing compared to what you guys offer. Well, it's just that there are different voices too, and right. you are you are just you. <laughs> so, so what about that? Do you think? I'm curious what you really think about this. Do you think people can learn uh, Photoshop from free YouTube videos? And if so, how? Where do they start? Uh, this is a tough question because. My business, to an extent, is on YouTube, but the honest answer is yes and no. Uh, I think they can learn little tidbits of information on YouTube, but the problem with my videos and the problem with most people's videos on YouTube is that there's no structure behind them. So if you want to learn how to use Refine Edge, you might find a video on that, or if you want to learn how to create the Iron Man text in Photoshop, there might be a video. Actually, I do have a video on that. But if you want to learn Photoshop from start to finish, or you want to learn a whole course on HDR or photo retouching, it's going to be very difficult to find on a place like YouTube because there's just no structure. So that's when, when someone emails me and says, I want to learn how to photo retouch, I send them to Linda. Or if they want to learn Photoshop from start to finish, go to Linda. Deke has a million, a million tutorials on Linda. Um, so... They can learn on YouTube, but I, it depends on what they're looking to learn, I guess. Well, you know, it sounds like it's not that you don't have structure in your videos. It's that YouTube itself doesn't offer the tools to allow you to um, kind of specify a learning path through your videos. Is that yeah. really the problem? Yeah, to an extent. They do have their playlist feature, but it's not... I mean, again, it's not really structured. You can go from one video to the next to the next, but you can't see a list of videos at the bottom. There's, you can't offer downloadable content within those videos. There's just so much more that Linda and Kelby One offers that YouTube just doesn't have right now. Well, so is that why you also have a great website on which you offer lots of videos as well, don't you? I do. I have my iceflowstudios.com website, which basically mirrors the videos that I have on YouTube. Plus, I can go into a little bit more depth and offer a few files from here and there. But I haven't gotten to the point because I don't have the developing skills or I can't hire anybody right now where I can structure it kind of like some of the other websites. This sounds like a job for an intern. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your plans for the future? You have all this great content. Um, what are you going to do with it? I think finally I've realized that YouTube isn't the way to go. Believe it or not, 2009, 2010, I was making a very good living just off YouTube alone. I was making, I, I probably can't say how much, but I was paying my bills. I was going out for dinner almost every night um, just on YouTube ad revenue. And unfortunately, that's not the case anymore, mainly because... Views have gone down because of competition and because everybody now can become a YouTube partner, the ad revenue is spread out amongst so many people, so CPM is going down. So I think what I've realized is that the future, at least for my content, 
is offer tidbits of information on YouTube, which acts as a marketing platform that leads into paid courses. So I don't know if in the future, whoops, I don't know if in the future I'll do more structured courses for Linda maybe, or I'll just offer them separately on my website. But I do want to start creating more, I guess, structured, in-depth courses somewhere. Well, you know, you're such a good um, instructor. You have such a way about you that people really like. I'm sure that whatever you do, it's going to be successful. I wouldn't worry about it at all. Thank you. And hopefully at some point I can actually start teaching live. I've never actually taught anything. Well, nothing major like at a Photoshop world or anything like that. I've done a few classroom stuff, but I, I would love to teach at Photoshop world, which is probably way over my head right now. But that could be something I might want to do in the future. Oh, that's not over your head at all. You would be fantastic. I would freak out. I hate public speaking. Just speaking in front of my company, which is like 150, 200 employees, freaked out. <laughs> it's all a matter of practice. I think I told you, you know, the way that I got uh, where I could do it without being scared is that I used to be a lawyer and I had to do it up in front of judges, like Ooh. these big scary guys with black robes. And, you know, so talking to Photoshop students who are there because they really want to learn, it's actually, um, it's really inspiring. And it, it, you forget about the fact that you're on stage and you're just kind of talking to them. You can see them. It's pretty fun. Mm. I think you'll love it. I hope so. Yeah. Well, you know, I would be so happy, Howard, if you would be kind enough to share your screen and show us a couple of things in Photoshop and let us enjoy your wonderful style of teaching. Sure, so I will actually go over a few things from one of my recent one-minute on videos channel. where I showed how in one minute you can actually move objects in Photoshop using Photoshop's content-aware technology. So as you can see in this example here, this guy is jumping. I'm not sure if he's jumping straight in the air or he's stupidly jumping off a cliff but we're going to make it look like he is actually jumping off a cliff. So what I'm going to do, because I love editing non-destructively, which I'm a huge supporter in, is I'm going to start by creating a new layer down here at the bottom in the layers panel. And for this example, we're going to be using one of Photoshop's newer content-aware features. Actually, it's content-aware move, which is found in the tools bar to the left. And by default, you have kind of like a freehand lasso tool where you can just drag a selection just like that. You could also use any selection method that you want. So I can grab my quick selection tool and make a perfect selection. But in this case, you want to select more than just the subject. So I'm going to actually start at the top and I can select a nice wide area at the top to get a lot of the sky. And then when I get towards the subject, I'm going to make it nice and tight, just like this. I'm going to drag around him and then widen it out again. So I've made my selection and you do, whenever you're using content aware, you want to select more than just the subject to give Photoshop an idea of what it needs to blend. Now, when the selection is complete at the top on the options bar, you have a few options. You have move and extend. In this case, we want to move this guy to another area. So I'm going to make sure to select move and structure. I'm going to keep at the max setting, which is seven. If I decrease it too low, Photoshop is going to start blending it way too much and this guy is going to get very mangled. So I'm going to keep it at seven so we don't have this guy losing any limbs or arms or legs or whatever like that. And then for color, we do have a little bit of color in the sky that we need Photoshop to blend. We have a little bit of color in the mountains behind him. So we're going to keep it somewhere in the middle, probably around five. We might have to undo and decrease that a little bit. And then because I'm working on a new layer non-destructively, I do want to put sample all layers turned on.
Now, with that being said, I'm going to simply grab this little guy and drag him over here. I'm going to try to make sure to line up the lines in the mountains in the background, and I'm going to let go. And Photoshop is going to do its thing, and in a second, I've just moved him. Now, actually, that came out a lot better than I expected. Usually, when you move an object like this and there's things going on in the background, I actually wanted it to not turn out this well, um, which is kind of a bummer. But usually, content-aware technology doesn't work. I'm actually quite impressed. That is really good. I'm impressed, too. Well, maybe you could undo and do it again. And mess yeah, it really. This never happens. I, when I was doing this tutorial and trying to figure out how to squeeze it into a minute-long thing, I had to do this so many times to get it somewhat... Seriously? Okay. So, <laughs> let me turn the color down to maybe, let's say, two. I'm going to try this again. Give me something. Nope, that worked out well. Okay, this is crazy. But anyways, <laughs> so, <laughs> let me zoom in a little bit. You can oh, there, clearly see. Yeah, there's a little bit. So, here it's not perfect, which is good. So, what I'm going to do, I want... Anytime you're dealing with content-aware technology, it's never going to be perfect. Ignore the fact that it was perfect the first time. You're always going to have to repair it a little bit. So in this case, I'm going to create another new layer to keep working on destructively, and I'm going to grab my healing brush tool, which works very similar to the clone stamp, where you set a sample and you tell Photoshop what you want to use as a source. So I'm going to sample somewhere around here, hold down my Alt key on Windows, Alt uh, Option key on the Mac, and then click to make a sample. And I'm simply go. Oops, sorry. I want to make sure that all layers is selected on the options bar. Make a sample, and then simply line up my lines and paint across to fix that area. Again, content aware isn't perfect, so you might have to do it a few times. There we go. So you have to do it in little baby steps, and eventually you'll get a pretty decent looking result. Sort of like that. You fix the mountains a little bit. It's still a little bit off in this area here. But it's looking a little bit better. Not as good as the first time, but that was a complete <laughs> fluke. But in just a few minutes, you've been able to take this guy, move him to his new location. You can see when you turn off these layers and back on, the clouds don't blend in. So in that case, I can select that layer, add a layer mask, and then with a black brush, I'm going to press the B key on my keyboard, increase this a little bit, make sure it's nice and soft, and just simply, whoops, I'm in quick, quick mask. No, I'm not. What am I doing? Oh, I don't have the mask selected. I do that all the time. You know, and, and that's something I want to talk to you about, are, yep. are those things people do all the time. But finish up, and then we'll talk. Why is, the, oh, there we go. Nope, it's red still. Oh. I don't have quick mask on. Are you sure maybe you turned it on? Possibly. There we go. So there, yeah. So I'm just very simply blending out the sides, just like that, which looks a lot better. Now if I turn those off and then back on, we've now moved him to a new location. And I, I do like to turn my layers off and on quite a bit just to see if there's any areas that stand out. Because when you move something immediately or initially, it looks great, but then you start really looking at fine details, like over here, 
it's a little bit that's off. I can just fix just like that with the layer mask. So, you know, it's very interesting. First of all, thank you for doing that. I think that's a really cool technique. And um, I think, um, you know, that would really come in handy maybe for a designer that had to have something in exactly the right spot in a photo and the photographer hadn't caught it right, for example. Right. Oh, all the time. Yeah. And if you're taking a picture of a landscape and maybe a boat is not where you want it, you can kind of move it to the side or there's a tree that would look great a little bit over to the right or a little bit over to the left and these sorts of things. Now, of course, anytime you're dealing with content aware technology, you're going to run into cases that you just simply won't be able to move something because the background might be too complex. But if you're dealing with landscapes or things of that nature, you should be able to move things or repair things or heal things pretty easily. But with this technique, you can only move a very short distance without having everything mess up. Isn't that right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, for this one, I, can, I could have probably moved this guy further even more, but I would have had to do a little bit more healing after the fact. So it kind of depends on the content? It does, yeah. If you're dealing with a background that's very similar across the whole image, you can probably move it pretty far. Cool. So as you were doing that, um, you did a great job, and because you are such a good instructor, you know, when things don't go exactly right, you're able to kind of smooth that over. But what I was thinking was, you know what? What happened to you just then with the quick mask or whatever was red, that happens to people all the time, that, you know, something is just goofed up, and you cannot figure out what. So, what? first of all, what do you think about that in terms of the Photoshop UI? Do you have complaints about that? Um, is it just part what you've got to expect? And secondly, how, how would you approach a problem to figure out what was wrong? Um, well, for that situation, usually when you start painting on something and it turns out red, usually the quick mask tool is activated. Um, so I press Q and actually noticed on the file uh, on the top, it's, it changed the quick mask. So in that case, it wasn't selected. Um, and that's when I just resort to undo. I just undo, undo, undo until I got back to the state where I knew it was working well. And then I added that layer mask again. I must have pressed something. I wasn't sure what I pressed, but all was right. Um, in terms of the UI, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot on Photoshop's <laughs> UI, but I mean, that's, I guess that's expected. Photoshop is such a complex application. There's so many things going on, but they have definitely tried at least a little bit to clean things up not too long ago. I think it's Photoshop CS6 maybe. They brought the properties panel out, which kind of consolidated a lot of the adjustment layers, layer masks and that sort of thing into one window, which is, or one panel, which is super nice. So you don't have windows floating all over the place. So they're trying. Um, I have recently been using an application called Affinity Photo, which is the newest Photoshop competitor. Some people are calling it the Photoshop killer. I would argue about that. There's a lot of potential in a program like that and their UI is much cleaner and I think their application is much faster, but in terms of the actual technology at the core, it's nowhere near what Photoshop is. So that's the deal with Photoshop. You really can't touch it. But on the other hand, it is not a modern application. It was, when did it start? 2000 and, what was it? Two? One? I don't oh, remember. Photoshop? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, or 98, you know, 19, was it? I don't know, 19-something. Whatever. It's been around for a really long time. Longer 25 than years, almost, I think, yeah. Yeah, 25 years. That's right. And so, um, you know, there are just some 
kind of problems like that that we have to live with of how do you get all of those features, all of those tools into that one interface, have them accessible and make them so that there's kind of a, a intuitive workflow and and something you can do when you mess up, you know, and without right. just sort of giving up and throwing your hands up. And I think your advice of undo, undo, undo is sort of the ultimate fix, right? And just to think that in the early days of Photoshop, there was only one undo. Unbelievable. I recently saw a video with some Photoshop experts using Photoshop 1.0. Did you see yeah, that video? I did. And they were freaking out because there was no undo after the first one. <laughs> so we're pretty lucky, actually. Yeah, and, really. And you know, the other thing that I do, um, sometimes I'll take a photo into Camera Raw rather than Photoshop proper, just because the workflow is so much easier and the sliders are so accessible and it's really quick and fast and you can use it on non-raw photos too. Oh yeah, that's, it's um, recently, you, uh, when was it, Photoshop CC, maybe it was just Photoshop CC, they added the camera raw filter, which is so cool because you can bring in JPEGs, you can even bring in layer masks into the camera raw filter and you have access to all the same adjustments like exposure, contrast, highlights, clarity, which is my favorite adjustment um, that you would have with raw images and you can also bring in videos into the camera raw filter which is super cool. Ooh, I've done I have to a, try a few that. tutorials on that. Oh you have? I can't wait to find those. I'm going right now to <laughs> your YouTube channel and look those up. Remind us again um, where to find you online both your website and your YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash iceflowstudios and my website is iceflowstudios.com but if you just look up Howard Pinsky I believe on Google my YouTube channel should be right there. Well, great. I hope you all go there. Howard is a great teacher, and he's also a good friend. Thanks for doing this, Howard. No problem. Thanks so much, Jan. All right. See you later. Bye. That was so much fun to talk to Howard Pinsky and see his tutorial. Howard's a great guy, so I hope you'll jump on over to his YouTube channel and see what else he has for you. And don't forget to tune in next week here on the TWIP Network to The Fix. We're going to have more tutorials and more great guests. So this is Jan Kabili. Thanks for joining me.